0: Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father, we want to give you thanks and praise for your goodness, for your mercy, for your generosity to us. Lord, uh, I just consider... The fact that even in turmoil in America, we're still one of the greatest nations. The uh, the freedoms that we continue to have today, we thank you for. We're grateful for it. The fact that we have... Uh, food and shelter and clothing, Lord God. We are are wealthy. You've given us far more than we often deserve, Lord, and we thank you for that. And among all the great things you've blessed us with is your word. You've preserved it through the generations so that we would have all that we need to grow in our relationship with you, to understand who you are and what you think and what you desire from us. So as we look to Abraham, your call upon Abraham's life, uh, may your Holy Spirit give us understanding. May you really speak to us. May we be uh, may we leave here this evening with a greater understanding of your call on our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we make our way through Genesis, we now enter, as I said, into the life of Abraham. And God has promised, uh, as we'll see in this chapter, to make Abraham's name great. And he does just that. In fact, we spent uh, several weeks in the first two chapters. We, God gave us two whole chapters on the creation of the universe. Two, Some creation scientists are like, I really wish he would have given us a few more than two chapters on the creation, but we only got two, according to God's wisdom. We received 13 chapters in Genesis on the life of Abraham. And that just shows how significant his life is. Now, to say that Abraham is a significant player in the redemption of mankind would be an understatement. That's that's almost a third of Genesis committed to the life of this man. In fact, Abraham's name means father of many. Abraham would not just become the father of the Jewish nation, he would also be the father of many Arabs, and he would become the father of faith. In other words, he is the father of all who would have faith in God. That's what the Bible calls Abraham, the father of faith. And so no doubt, he is the father of many. As many as the sands uh, uh, on, the, on the seashore is Abraham's descendants. And that tells us that God is, is saving and rescuing, which brings us back to the multiplied Um, uh, theme that we're we're getting at through Genesis that God is multiplying mankind and multiplying Abraham's descendants so that we would have more and more people in heaven so that he could multiply the population of heaven. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. And in this chapter, what we see specifically is God's initial call upon Abraham's life. What we're going to do here is we're going to dissect this call that God has on Abraham. We're going to pull out of it eight distinct characteristics of a call from God. So if you're, t- tonight would be a great night to take notes. In fact, every night is a good night to take notes. But tonight, we're going to write down eight distinct characteristics of a, of a call that God would have on your life. We're going to compare it to our lives to determine God's call upon our lives as well. So let's jump in. We're actually going to start in chapter 11, verse 27, to connect Shem's genealogy with the life of Abraham. Verse 27, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram took Nahor, or rather Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Isaac, or Iscah, rather. Verse 30, Now Sarah was barren, She had no children. That's a significant part of this story as this unfolds in the next few chapters. Verse 31, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Now I want you to notice Terah, the father of Abraham, is the one leading this expedition. That's significant as well. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So here we finish the genealogy of the godly line of Shem. Now remember, guys, at this point, the only gospel they had from the Word of God was that the seed of the woman would defeat Satan. The seed of the woman, a descendant from Eve, would one day crush the power of the enemy and crush sin. So that was the only true gospel that they looked forward to. What's so significant about Shem's genealogy is that through his godly line would be the the genealogy through which the Messiah would be born. So a very significant family. This, as we've talked about, is also presumably the family through which the the Word of God was passed, according to the tablet theory. But these guys were to be the one family of of all families on the earth. This should be the one family that remained faithful to the true and living God, to the god to Yahweh, the God of promise. The one family that would remember that God would one day deliver them from sin and from the curse, surely this would be the family to remember that. To not just worship Elohim, the God of creation, but to know Him as Yahweh. And surely not to worship the idols of the land. But sadly, by this time, by the time the godly line reaches Abraham... The family has drifted from a close relationship with Yahweh, with Jehovah, the God of promises. We, get, we understand this in Joshua 24, verse 2, to where we get this insight. It says that Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and, and of Nahor, and what? They served other gods. God's. So sad insight from God coming through Joshua that by the time the godly line of Shem reaches Abraham, they were serving idols of the land, false gods. This family was to be set apart in their worship of the true and living God, yet tragically they looked like all the other nations. So what does God do at this point? This was the one family that was supposed to carry his message and be faithful to him. You know what God does? He shakes things up like he always does. He hits the reset button. He says, I'm going to call one man out from this godly line, and I'm going to start over again, do a new family with this man. I don't know if you guys see this pattern, but we've seen this numerous times already through Genesis, and we're only in chapter 12 of the whole Bible. It's a pattern where God does something new and fresh, and then people get excited and people turn to God. And then they get complacent in their relationship with God. Then they begin to drift, and then they fall into sin, and then bad things happen. And then God has to do another reset. God has to shake things up again. Adam and Eve, bam. Probably the the, the freshest thing God ever did was create everything. There they are on the scene. They get to know God. They slip into complacency. They're tempted by sin. Bad things happen. God kicks them out of Eden, shakes things up, changes their whole way of life for their good spiritually. The population grows Men begin to drift from God again into violence and wickedness and bad things begin to happen. God hits the reset button with the flood. Starts over with one family. That family populates the earth and guess what? It only took four generations for them to rebel against God. God hits the reset button, divided the tongues, preserved the godly line and guess what? The godly line has now drifted. So God is hitting the reset button with one man and his name is Abraham, setting him apart to continue the work of redemption and to carry the word of God to the rest of mankind. And the pattern just continues. We could continue going from the life of Abraham. I'll spare you tonight, but I want to ask you right now, where you're at, is your life in need of a reset? Are you complacent? Have you drifted from God? Are you now in a place where bad things are happening and sin has entered in? Does your life need a reset? something dramatic for God to do in your life, to get your attention. You know, as we look at this new year in front of us, what changes might God be calling you to make right now? What resets is He calling you to make before He has to make them? What garden is He kicking you out of? What, what things in your life need a flood to come and wash them away? Just be done with those things. What new land is He leading you to? What new ventures of faith is He calling you to? I really think, guys, with the way 2020 went and potentially the way 2021 is going, that God is doing a reset right now in our world. In America, in the American church, he's hitting the reset button. He's really caused us to question what we trust in, hasn't he? He's really shaken our, our nest up and caused a lot of people to be uncomfortable. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, guys. This is characteristic number one of a call from God. Is reset. A call from God typically shakes us up, calls us out of our comfort zones. If you're you're feeling the urge to do something crazy, to get out of your comfort zone that will completely reset your life, don't automatically think that's crazy, that must not be God. Mm, It might be the hand of God leading you to a reset within your life. And though resets are uncomfortable, guys, we can trust that God will use them to accomplish amazing things. He did every time he reset in the Bible. He did something new, something fresh. He drew people closer to him. So now let's jump into that call. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be blessed. Blessed. So Abraham comes, he speaks. I mean, I wish I had the audible voice of God speaking to me. Don't you? Sometimes just God, just tell me, just talk to me. It appears that he came and spoke to Abraham directly. And what did he say? He said, Abraham, go. I want you to go. And Abraham's like, cool, God. Yeah, where? He's like, I'll tell you when you get there. He gave Abraham, the only information he gave Abraham was where he was not supposed to be. He didn't tell him where he was going to go. He didn't give him all the information. He just said, you're, you're, you can't be here anymore. You can't be with your family. You can't be in your country where you grew up. It's time to go. But he's missing, I would say, very pertinent information. Lord, where do you want me to go? And that brings us to the second characteristic of a call from God, and that's faith. A call from God doesn't include the full picture because he wants you to exercise faith. Because His call will require faith. And realize this, guys, sometimes a call from God simply starts with, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, but I know I'm not supposed to stay here. I don't know what God is doing, but I know I can't remain here. Sometimes that's sufficient enough to begin the call of God in your life and the path. I love what Oswald Chambers said about loyalty and faith in Christ. He said, loyalty to Jesus is stepping out when I don't see anything. Loyalty to myself is clearing the ground first by my own intelligence. It's not faith when you, when you are able to always clear the ground with your own intelligence. That's not faith. And if we are called to step out in faith, then God will not be giving us all the information we want or perhaps even need. He won't. Because if He did, it would not be a step of faith. Hebrews says that apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. Unless you, unless you do something in faith... It's not going to be pleasing to God. That's a pretty significant verse. One that I find creeps into my messages a lot. One that I find God reminding me of a lot. Apart from faith, it's impossible to believe God. There must be uncertainties in your call or it would not be a step of faith. Do you expect uncertainties in God's call in your life? You should. So where is the assurance then, Sean? Like, where's the assurance that that God is going to move on my behalf? See, here's the assurance, guys. Of all the uncertainties in your call that God has on your life, there is one thing you can be absolutely certain of. You ready for it? That when you do step out, God will be there to meet you. And He'll be there in a special way in your life. Yeah, there'll be a lot of questions. There'll be a lot of things up in the air. But God will be with you through those questions. And God will reveal Himself in the waiting and in the answers. And Abraham will experience God in ways like never before in these next few chapters, but guess what? Not until he steps out and obeys. So a call from God requires faith. Now notice here, he said he desired to make Abraham what? A great nation and to make his name great. Does that sound familiar to any of you guys who were here last week for chapter 11? You see, that is exactly what Nimrod and the rebellious enemies of God were seeking after. Do you guys realize that? What did they want? They wanted to be a great nation. They wanted to build to the, to the heavens so that they could make a name for themselves. I find that very interesting. They desired greatness and God's willing to give people greatness, but why did He take it away from them? Because they sought it apart from God. They sought it in rebellion against God. And I want to tell you, you might be stuck in Babel right now, discouraged, trying to fulfill your own desires. Gripping to your desires because you don't trust God with those desires and you're like Nimrod trying to make things happen on your own, but you're unfulfilled and God's not letting it happen because you haven't let God in with your desires. You haven't trusted God with those desires. And that's characteristic number three of a calling in your life, is fulfillment. That in the call of God, that is where He intends to fulfill our desires. Do you realize that? The things that you wish, things that perhaps are keeping you from trusting God fully, these desires, are desires, have you ever considered, they may be the desires that will be finally met when you surrender to God fully? Now, Jesus is the best example of this. I love the, the, the illustration and the account of Jesus, his temptation in the wilderness. He's hit with three temptations. They're temptations to meet three legitimate desires from the Son of God. One, to eat, to not starve to death. Use your power, Jesus, to make that stone into, into bread. The second one is to receive glory and authority over all the earth. And the third one was to... Allow allow God the Father to supernaturally protect his life. Those were the three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness from Satan. Jesus resists and rejects all three of them. But what's interesting is because is Jesus would experience all three of those desires. He would have all three of those needs met in the three years to come in his ministry. Do you realize that he rejected these desires outside the timing of the will of God of the will of the Father. He submitted Himself to the will of the Father and the Father fulfilled each desire. In fact, probably it wasn't weeks or months later, He was using his, his, miracle, his miraculous power to multiply fish and loaves, to feed people. Just in the next few years, God would deliver His life from death, several situations, and then literally raise Him from the dead. And then, of course, Jesus has received all power, glory, and dominion over he- the heavens and the earth. God the Father had all three of those things in store for Jesus and more. And Jesus knew that, so he didn't have to succumb to temptation. He trusted God the Father. They would not be fulfilled apart from the will of the Father, but they would only be fulfilled in Jesus' submission to the will of the Father. So what are those desires that you have right now? What great desires do you have in this stage of life? To find somebody to be married, are you afraid that God's going to call you to marry someone you're not attracted to? I remember being a young adult and being like, oh God, if I, you know, if, I, you know, if I give my life to you, are you going to call me to marry just someone I really am not attracted to? That was a scary thought. I'm just being real. What kind of desires do you have right now that you are afraid to trust God with? I want to tell you, open, loosen your grip on those desires. Bring those desires to God and trust Him with them. Stop living your life for those desires and start making your pursuit service of God, serving God. And God will fulfill your desires. And if you have bad desires right now, He'll help you to clean those out and he will, He'll bring even better desires. And when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. He will fulfill those. So God took away this greatness from Nimrod, but He freely gave it to the man who would willingly follow Him. Verse 3. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Man, what a promise. I don't even know what I'd say if God said that to me. I would just like... I would be totally speechless. I, you're going to use me to impact all of the families of the earth. What, a, what an amazing blessing. To bless everybody else, Abraham, I'm going to use you, your calling to do that. Characteristic number four of a call from God is others. A call from God is intended to bless others and not just yourself. We talked about this a little last week. The things that you are pursuing in life. The job, primarily the career you're trying to choose for most of you. Is it primarily to make you look good and to get you a lot of money? Or is it because God has truly gifted you in that area and you can really bless other people in that area? Your call is intended to bless other people, not just yourself. So now this is the beginning of the covenant that God would make with Abraham. This covenant will develop and grow through these next few chapters. But notice here, God promises something specific. He says, I will bless the nations that bless you, that basically bless your nation. And I will curse the nations that come against your nation. This is very, very interesting. Something that all the nations of the earth should exercise wisdom and take, and take careful attention uh, to fulfill. The physical fulfillment of Abraham's descendants is who? The nation of Israel. And here we're told that those nations that come against Israel will be cursed. The nations that bless Israel will be blessed. And there's something very important, guys, that you need to understand about Israel. Yes, they've, they've rejected God, many of them. They've rejected the Christ. They've rejected God as a whole, even. A lot of them are Jewish only by culture, they're, but they're atheists or agnostic. But they are still, as a nation, the people of God. And God's promises for the nation of Israel have not been done, he's not done away with them. He will continue. In fact, if you look through history, he has honored this promise. Donald Barnhouse, in his commentary, he actually notes a record of history that proves this. When the Greeks overran Palestine and desecrated the altar in the Jewish temple, guess what? They soon were conquered by Rome. When Rome killed Paul and many others and destroyed Jerusalem under Titus, Rome soon fell. Spain was reduced to a fifth-rate nation after the Inquisition against the Jews. Poland fell after the pogroms. The pogroms were these series of of violent persecutions against the local Jewish people in Poland. Hitler's Germany went down after its orgies of anti-Semitism, which I think is an understatement. Basically, their massacre of, of Jews. Hitler fell. Britain lost her empire when she broke her faith with Israel. I think it's pretty obvious too, the nations right now that war against Israel, they're not doing so hot. There's constant turmoil and conflict for them. But as Christian Americans, guys, we should be praying for the peace of Israel. We should be praying that our government officials would have the wisdom to support Israel. The Bible is very clear on this subject. Verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So he's pretty old, guys. Are you afraid that God's going to, like He's not going to use you in your 20s? I, I kind of had this pressure in my 20s, like, oh man, I, I got to accomplish something. I'm a singer-songwriter, and so like, I had this huge... Expectation that I had to get signed to a record label or something, and that I had to get on the radio or something. I had to do it in my 20s because of all these other artists that I followed. Well, they got signed when they were like 22, 23, and I'm 24, 25. nothing's happening. I had this huge burden on me that I was carrying, this expectation of my 20s. And then when I turned 30, uh, it was just released. I didn't even care anymore. I was like, "Oh, hallelujah, guys you're just going to do what you're going to do in your time." I don't, I'm trusting you. So I don't know if you feel that right now in the stage of life that you're in. Abraham was 75 years old when he received his call. Okay? One of the, the, the founder of Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, was 40 years old when he finally landed in a position and God just started to use him in amazing ways. He had been in several other churches and he whittled them down. Like he would take over a church of 300 and then he'd whittle it down to like 80 people. And then they'd move him on to another church. Like, he would have been considered a failed pastor until he took over this little chapel in California and God broke out with revival among the hippies and they were flocking to Pastor Chuck's church simply because he would literally stand there and smile and read the Word of God and just talk about the... It was literally running commentary. And they were just... They loved it. God was using him in amazing ways. And he was 40... And just, just to let you know, don't try not to have that expectation that you must accomplish these things early in life. God's call is slow. It's a slow process oftentimes. Abraham was 75 years old.